Welcome back to The Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. Strange and spooky noises are sounding from the woods, and the villagers are frightened. It's up to the Dashaway detectives to find out what's going on. But some people say it could be a ghost. Can they work it out? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. The Secret Safari They were all in bed when the sounds started. Wild cries, shouts, sounds that seemed impossible, confusing, nightmarish. And then louder, closer, a knock. A knock on their very own caravan door. None of the kids, not Diggory, Douglas or Dora, for all that they were detectives, wanted to get out of their sleeping bags to answer it. After a pause, they felt and heard Dad get out of bed, put on a dressing gown and then open the door. Diggory and Dora, who slept on the side where they could see, gasped as the door opened. Outside, a silvery figure stood with wild eyes, glowing, flowing hair, a pale face, something white drifting around her. Douglas tumbled out of his bunk in haste to see what the others were looking at. And then the lady blinked and spoke, and the spell was broken. Are you detectives? Her voice was frail and light, but it was definitely human. I just couldn't stand it any more. I need some help. Dad sighed and gave the kids a look. In the silence they could hear the strange sounds outside again, wails and shrieks. You can come back in the morning, he said firmly, or better yet, the kids can come to you. Here, he passed her a scrap of paper with flecks of paint on it. Write your address. The kids, she said, her wide eyes staring up at Dad. They're the detectives he confirmed, and they're good, but they need some sleep, so write your address, please. The woman turned her head to look at Diggory, Douglas and Dora, who did their best to look impressive, despite the fact that they were in bed. She paused, and then she wrote something down, mumbled goodbye, and went. Dad grunted. I wonder what, Diggory said, but Dad glared at him. Sleep, now. Of course, no one slept for a little while. All of them let their brains wander, trying to work out what on earth the lady had come to their caravan for, but gradually getting used to the sounds outside and letting the warmth overcome them, the dashways all fell asleep. But their next case had begun. In the morning, they discussed the lady's visit at great length, passing between them the scrap of paper. On it was written in spidery writing, Alice Lively, 23 Harebrook Gardens. None of them could make out much from that, and so it was with great curiosity that they set off after breakfast, each looking as smart as they could after emerging from an artist's caravan. In the daytime, the village of Clannington, where they were staying, was quiet and picturesque, with beautiful weeping willow trees swaying in the slight breeze. Dora could see why Dad wanted to paint here. 
It was a small village, and they soon arrived at 23 Harebrook Gardens and knocked on the door, the sound taking them back momentarily to the night before, the eyes gazing at them in the moonlight. It was a while before the door opened, and when it did, Alice Lively looked much diminished. She was folded into a dressing gown that looked too big for her, and Dora thought she looked tired. Goodness me, she said, staring at the children. We're the detectives, Diggory said confidently, grabbing a pen and notebook from his pocket. Could we come inside? She peered at them for a minute longer and then nodded owlishly and they followed. It was a very untidy house. It looked as though someone continually walked around it, forgetting what they were meant to be doing and depositing the items where they stood. There were teacups on a bookshelf. Knitting needles balanced on a little statue of a fairy and a bottle of bubble bath just sat in the middle of the floor. When they arrived in the living room, Douglas carefully tidied away some candles, a golf club, some rather old-looking scones and a crossword book from the sofa before they sat down. Alice Lively sat opposite them, leaned forward in her chair and looked at them intently. Are you old enough for a ghost story? A shiver went down Dora's spine, but the boys were already agreeing. A long time ago, Miss Lively started. Diggory suppressed the urge to ask how long. An old man walked into the woods. Old Crandog, they called him, and a more miserable man the village has never seen. He scowled at the children, kicked the cats, and shouted at the dogs. Parents warned their children about him, and teenagers dared each other to knock on his door. It was when they came for old Crandog's house that it got worse. They knocked it down to make a space for a new farm, and moved old Crandog further into the village. He would sit and stare out of his window, until one evening his neighbour saw him walk off into the woods. Those woods. Alice Lively suddenly threw out an arm in a dramatic gesture to point to some woodland out of the window. And he was never seen again. Diggory raised his eyebrows, but Alice Lively didn't seem to notice. He wasn't seen again, but oh, he was heard. Terrible screams and shouts, hardly human, rang out from the woods. And all who live in the village, and all who know the tale of old Crandog, have stayed away from them ever since. She looked at them in triumph, as though expecting some applause. Er, Douglas said, glancing at his siblings, that's a great story, but... And now the noises have started again, Alice Lively said. You heard the howls and wails of the night. Old Grandog's land is to be disturbed once more, and he has returned to haunt us. Detectives, you must help us. Poor Grandog, Dora said faintly, while Diggory scribbled some things down in his notebook. What's that about his land being disturbed again? He, he asked business-like. It was sold many years ago to some millionaire who swans in and out of the village, she sniffed 
obviously disapproving. He's put in some plans to build some sort of thing exactly where old Grandog's house is, and the ghost is clearly not happy about it. When was old Crandog alive? Diggory said firmly, determined to get some sort of solid fact. Both Alice and Mabel blinked. A hundred years ago or so, I think. The Dashaway detectives weren't there much longer. It was impossible to get anything more concrete from Alice and they decided to find out if anyone else knew anything. I definitely don't believe in ghosts, Douglas said flatly as soon as they were alone. Nor do I, Diggory affirmed. But Dora was frowning. But we did hear all the noises and I've definitely never heard anything like that before. Diggory grinned. So, there's the mystery. Let's find out when the noise is started. Maybe someone knows exactly what is going on. Next door to Alice's house was a florist, and they went in and found a man seemingly wrestling with a huge bunch of hydrangeas. Pardon me. Well, wait a moment, he said in a friendly sort of voice. When he emerged, they were surprised to see a man so tall, he looked as though he were unlikely to fit through any door, with an enormous busy beard and a big smile. Dora had never seen anyone so huge in her life, but she trusted him instantly. He looked at them too, from one to the other, with a frankness that grown-ups usually lacked. Flowers for your sweethearts? he asked with a grin, and Diggory reddened a little though he knew it was kindly meant. Um, well, no, we're, we're detectives. I mean, we're trying to find something out. I mean... He paused and took a deep breath. Have you heard the strange noises around here? And could you tell me when they started, please? Detectives, eh? The man smiled, and Dora stepped forward indignantly. Yes, we are. And don't you be thinking about how we're too young and all of that... Because we've already solved four mysteries and so there. No, no, it's ingenious. No one would suspect you at all. Unexpectedly, the man sat down on an old battered chair, which looked far too fragile to take his weight. The noises then, he continued. Douglas felt as though he could see the legs of the chair bowing. Yes, I've heard them strange like nothing I've heard before. It must have been... He frowned, tapped his enormous head and then smiled. A week ago or thereabouts. Did anything else change in the village a week ago? Douglas asked. And the man reached across to the desk and picked up a tiny diary. The desk was quite a long way away, but the man's arm was very, very long. Let me see, a large order of flowers? Oh yes, that was for the big house. I suppose the Worthingtons must have been at home. That's all I can think of, I'm afraid. I see, Dora said solemnly. The man laughed loudly and then smiled at all of them. This has been a very pleasant diversion. I'm Mike Nottingham, by the way. Let me know if I can be of any further assistance. But for now, the flowers call. He put his hand to his ear as though the flowers were actually calling him then stood up again and gave them a grin before disappearing into the back of the shop from where loud singing started to emerge. The Dashways gave each other another look, then left the shop. They then proceeded around the village, 
asking a few other people questions. Everyone had heard the sounds. Everyone said it was a week ago. And yes, Thomas Worthington, the millionaire, had been home. Some people even mentioned old Crandog. But when they went back to the caravan that evening for supper, they hadn't got much further. They told Dad all about it, and he listened while sorting through his sketches for the day. The Dashway kids were used to Dad not paying an awful lot of attention, and so they were surprised when he turned to them with a suggestion. Shall we stay up and investigate tonight? There was a glint in his eye, and Diggory's heart leapt. A real adventure with Dad! You bet, he said wholeheartedly. And then the rest of the evening changed suddenly into a time of magic and mystery as torches were found, batteries charged, coats donned, secret signals discussed and thick socks pulled on. They had a hot chocolate in anticipation, waiting for the night to go dark and for it to be time. Never before had an evening gone so slowly. But finally the moonlight shone through the window and Dad said it was time to go. They stepped into the cold night. There was no one else in this field they were staying in and the stars blazed overhead. Until, that is, they went into the woods. Here the darkness reigned thick and deep. It seemed almost solid, Dora thought, like you had to push your way into it, like some very, very black Play-Doh. It wasn't long before the noises started. A shriek, then a cry, then a call, then a cacophony of high-pitched sounds. Dora clung onto Dad's arm, glad the boys couldn't see in the darkness. Dad tried to push branches out of the way so they could see. Diggory and Douglas peered around them, but the sources of the noises were nowhere in sight. But they were moving. Diggory determinedly started to push further forwards through the trees, right until he called out, Ow! Very loudly, he had walked into a fence. A fence that stretched each way, all around them. On the other side of the fence were the noises. Though they walked along the side of the fence, shining torches and looking this way and that, nothing further revealed itself to them that night, or almost nothing. Just before they turned away to return to their beds, Dora felt something soft touch against her cheek. She shuddered but looked and found an enormous feather stuck in the side of a tree. Wordlessly, she took hold of it and gripped it in her hand as she walked back to the caravan. The others were up before her the next morning, but when she was dressed, she marched triumphantly along to the table and placed the grand, huge feather on the table. The boys stared at her. I found this in the forest, she said. This isn't from a British bird. There aren't ghosts in the forest. There are animals. The boys replayed the sounds they had heard the night before. The shrieks, the cries. But now, instead of ghosts, they imagined strange and wild creatures roaming the woodland. That could be it, Dig admitted giving Dora a smile. Good job, Dora! Look, Doug said, and he was staring out the window and pointing, pointing to the sky, where a magnificent yellow hot air balloon floated above the trees. Can we go, Dad? Please, please, please! Diggory said, and Dad assented. 
and they were off, Dora grabbing the feather and waving it about her absent-mindedly. With his binoculars, Douglas saw the person inside looking very busy. I think he's coming down, he shouted, and the three of them ran and ran until they saw the shadow of the balloon and it was getting bigger and bigger. Out of the way, Douglas cried, as the balloon came closer and closer. First it was at the level of the top of the trees, then the houses, then a caravan, then their very own heads, and then it was on the floor, and the balloon, which had stretched so tall and bright and full, crumpled and furled on the floor. A man wearing big goggles, red trousers and a striped shirt climbed out of the basket. That was amazing, Douglas said. But as he stepped forward to examine the balloon, Diggory's mind was whirring. Are you the millionaire who has the big house in the village? He asked, and the man gave a short laugh. Yes, but I'm usually called Thomas Worthington. Hello. We're Diggory, Douglas and Dora Dashway. We're detectives. Diggory stood up a bit straighter. We've been investigating a mystery. Some people are scared of the noises that have been coming from the woods. Do you by any chance have some animals in there? Thomas Worthington looked more and more amused at every word that Diggory spoke. They've been spooked, have they? Well, I suppose it's time I made the acquaintance of some of my neighbours. Anyway, yes, I have all sorts of animals in the grounds. A zoo had to close a week or so ago, and I've been looking after them as I had the space. I'm going to keep some of them, actually. I'm building somewhere for them to live. Mystery solved, Dora said with a smile. And Thomas Worthington, who she couldn't stop thinking of as the millionaire, looked at her, brow furrowed. Yes, but perhaps we'd better show a few more people too. I know they don't like me much around here, and I'd like to change that. I'll tell you what, this evening at six o'clock... Anyone who wants to can come and have a look at the animals. I'm sure you detectives could let people in the village know. Of course, Diggory said solemnly, though inside his heart was racing. Going into a millionaire's garden, seeing the animals and another mystery solved. The rest of the day was spent explaining things to people and inviting them. Alice Lively seemed a little disappointed, perhaps, that there was no ghost involved. But she agreed to come along to see the animals. And Mike Nottingham promised to bring a big bunch of flowers to to say thank you to the millionaire. Even Dad said he would come. And Dora made him promise to wash the paint off his face first. At six o'clock, there was a crowd outside the gates. And soon enough, Thomas Worthington appeared and swung them open. Welcome, welcome, he announced, and then led everyone inside for one of the most magical hours that the Dashaways had ever experienced. There were giraffes and elephants, there were lions and wallabies, there were flamingos and ostriches and penguins and parakeets, and after they had seen the animals and the amazing grounds, Thomas Worthington led them into a cosy room in the house where they were served eight different types of cake and cups of tea and lemonade, and Dora could see him making a big effort to talk to everyone and be friendly. Even Alice Lively looked happy. It was another win for the Dashaway detectives.
the end. Thanks for listening. What exotic animal would you most like to have as a pet? Would you like to go on a hot air balloon? We'll see you for the Dashway Detectives' next adventure in a week's time. Thank you.